Hello, everyone, and welcome to Documentation Not Included. It is Thursday, 7 p.m. BST, although that will change when the clocks do very soon. We are live on twitch.tv slash DNI stream. It is time for our next show and our development framework series. Episode, and this is going to crack me up, version 1.2. Over a year of doing this show, or basically a year of doing the show now, we've reached version 1.2 of an episode. Uh, wow. Considering anyway. we, we initially started out talking, saying, We're, let's talk about all the development frameworks separately, and then we just we, we went, we, we went off on a tangent on all kinds of other subjects. It's much like our show. Yeah. But yes, we're doing episode one, version 1.2, the modern web, full stop frameworks versus site generators and everything in between. I am Josie Howarth, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Chris Seabock, and I specifically looked something up for this show. Chris, who is the PBKDF to my MD5 hash. Oh, PBKDF2 to my... Good, good, because I've recently implemented PBTKF. I get it wrong all the time. Did I do right for you, Chris? Did I pick something you actually knew this time? I've recently implemented that algorithm over, not MD5, but over SSA56 for a particular client's uh, security hashing algorithm because it's better. So thank you. Yes, I agree with that one. <laughs> I have no I problems whatsoever. I specifically picked it for this show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes, uh, hello Josie and hello to everybody in Twitch chat. Please do get involved um, in the show and uh, we will read out anything. It is an interactive show. We will read out anything that's uh, relevant or interesting or otherwise. And before we get going, to introduce our guest, Jamie Taylor. Jamie, please do introduce yourself to our guests. Uh, to our guests? Oh, it's all going wrong already today. Um, to <laughs> introduce yourself to our guests. Uh, introduce so, yourself to our, our audience. Tell them what you do and uh, and why you're here. So for the benefit of Jamie, I'm Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going back. I'm going to bed. <laughs> we'll do it live. No, um, <laughs> so... Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm Jamie. Um, I'm a .NET contractor. I'm also um, I've been described as a bit of a podcast creation maniac, um, in that I have like two or three always on the go. Um, there's another couple that are on hiatus at the moment, but that's not a problem. Um, but yeah, I'm a bit of a .NET Core fiend, I guess. Um, all about .NET Core. I've been um, working and writing all about it since uh, like the first public previews. And um, because of that, I realized, hey, I can't keep up this crazy pace of 3,000 word essays every week. So I decided, you know what? I'm an auditory learner. Let's do a podcast. And uh, people are listening. So, you know, it's doing okay. Good stuff. It's, it's, I, I'm modest. I, it's kind of why I do podcasts. It's my catharsis. It's kind of my, my way of releasing. And, and I don't, I, my blog has been, you know, we've all got a blog. I'm pretty sure. And yes. mine has been Who dormant doesn't? for years now. I do one post a year, maybe. And the last one was on actually on that hashing algorithm um, that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Josie. So, oh, it's all right. Ah, <laughs> yes. So before we get going, as always, we have our icebreaker question. This is a question we ask before the show, and it usually has absolutely zero bearing whatsoever on anything technologically related, just so we can get to know ourselves and share a little bit about who we are, or as we call them in the security industry, some OS int on your hosts and guests. So your question for today, off the top of your head, what is your favorite scene from a movie? Mm. Guests on it as always. Oh, this is his way of saying I can't think that fast. 
<laughs> I'm old now. I'm old. I'm adult. I need time to you're, think. You're adult. <laughs> so I think maybe from a purely dialogue perspective and like characters working together perspective. It could be anything. It has to be the scene in Aliens when everyone's waking up in the cryotubes. Just the chemistry that everyone has. They're all laughing and joking. And it's like, it feels kind of real. Just the way it's written, the way it's performed. They're all, they are, you know, a team. You know, the way that they all joke together and laugh together. I think that one, yeah. Chris? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me next. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't watch films that much these days, but I used to be. I've got a wall full of DVDs downstairs. that I've, I just don't do it. Um, I'd have to go... Um, I'd have to go with the scene in Green Mile where... He's descri- at the very end where the old Tom Hanks or whatever the actor is that plays him is describing um, the predicament that he's in right at the end and it's because he's just so sad <laughs> and the, the actual scene in the book is very different but it's it made it's the, one of the few books that's made me cry as I'm rereading it because mm-hmm. it's so poignant and it, about, it's just about life you know and it's just a really interesting look at it and I, one of my favourite films ever I think I, I think for me, and this is, I, I would happy happily pick something that is deep and meaningful, et cetera. But there is one scene that no matter how many times I see it, my hair stands on end, I get chills down my spine, and I basically want to scream like a fangirl. And that is the moment that the elevator opens and a robed figure steps out and we meet Frankenfurter for the first time <laughs> in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> I yeah. thought you were going to talk about the Matrix then for a second, you know, when they <laughs> open the elevator and they kick off with the, uh, the all guns blazing part. Yeah. It, it's, it's, that's the thing. I mean, it was. I was either going to go with that or my favorite scene from Clue, or Cluedo, the original movie Clue, because there is something about the flames flames which was the only scene in that entire movie might i add that was actually ad-libbed um that that, that they kept in it was just amazing but anyway yes so that's our movie thing so <laughs> our many, icebreaker chris so many other things have popped into my head since then but God, all right let's yeah move it's on. just whatever <laughs> comes to the top of your head yeah so yeah. okay so today's topic then let's move on we are on to yes. the modern web full stack frameworks versus site generators and everything else that we want to talk about content management systems potentially um so to get us started jamie Let's start with describing to our listeners, because we don't always have fully technical listeners that listen. It's not developers all the time. Sometimes it's just people who are a little bit technical or not technical at all. We need to describe the difference between a full stack website and a site generator website. You might actually need to break down what a you know back end, front end thing might be as well. Yeah, so because- let's start with that and we'll, you know, we'll go from there. Sure. Okay. Uh, so the way that I always view it is you have two components to a website. You've got a server that sits somewhere on the internet and you have uh, essentially your web browser, right? And there's code that runs on either side. Um, you can have the server it generates a response. So you go to google.co.uk and what will happen is a request goes out to one of Google servers. Google server then builds the web page that you're going to see and sends it back to you. And then you see the Google logo and the, the search button and the search uh, bar and all that kind of stuff. Uh, of course, I need to say this, that there are other, other search providers. But, <laughs> are they? Uh, yeah. Surely they've got a monopoly by now. They're just not very good, that's all. <laughs> duck, duck, go. Enough said. Uh, 
Um, exactly, exactly. So yeah, let's change tact. All right, well, no, let's let's stay with Google because everybody knows Google, right? So you type something into your browser, and as you're typing, um, code on your on your browser, which is what we sometimes call the client, um, intercepts that and starts sending loads of different messages back to Google servers that saying, oh, Jamie's typed a J. He's now typed an A. He now typed an M. I'm going to start guessing what he's going to be typing. So it might Jamie Dodgers. Exactly. You might start thinking, right, you're typing Jamie Dodgers, you're typing Jamie Taylor, you're talking, you know, whatever it is that you want to type. And then messages will fly backwards and forwards between your computer, your web browser, your client, and the server, and the server will do some processing on that and send the results back. That's how you can start typing a search request and start getting the responses back before you finished, because Google's trying to guess what you're typing. So there's two sides to that, right? There's the server side and the client side. I keep moving my hands around. Maybe I shouldn't do It's that. fine. It's a visual podcast <laughs> as well as a, an audio one. <laughs> yes, basically he's moving his hands a bit. So we're describing what you know how the web works there, but let's uh, focus more because we're talking about uh, the uh, static static websites versus well static site generators rather versus full stack frameworks. So we've talked about the front end and the back end there a little bit. Mm -hmm. When we talk about a full stack or a full fat framework, we talk about something that a developer would essentially write from scratch. They would take a framework, like we've talked about Angular on this podcast quite a few times. We talked about React, Vue, Knockout. There's there's billions of them. I mean, I'm probably not underestimating that number. It's ridiculous how many front-end frameworks there are. Um, so there's the front-end framework, which is half of the job, and then there's a back-end framework, which is like, I don't know, Java, Node, um, .NET, which is something that both Jamie and I, uh, Jamie and I use. Those are full stack frameworks. And then when we talk about static site generators, I'm going to let Jamie talk about this because you have more, much, by the sounds of it, much more experience with them than I do. And in fact, I think Josie also has more experience with static site generators than I do as well. So what what is a static site generator? What makes it different from the, the typical scenario where I would pick up these frameworks and I would build a website from scratch as a developer? Okay, um, so essentially what happens is um, I'll build a bunch of templated pages on my computer. I throw it at a static site generator and it generates all of the HTML for me and every single possible page and all of the links for me, all of that kind of stuff. So then I don't have to, so like in the old days of web development, you had to create a .html file, you had to type all the command, uh, type all of the content in, all of that markup. And then if you wanted to link it to another page, you had to make the other page hmm. and manually link it across. And then if you decided to change the name of it, you had to then manually go back and change the names, right? I'm having horrible flashbacks mm. to Dreamweaver. Exactly, right? I'm immediately, my brain's immediately going to, right, we need, we need to have some kind of shared header. We need templates, we need layouts. And this isn't what a static site is. A static site is just a HTML page that's stored on a server and served to the client. That's, That's it. it no yeah. translation that goes uh, apart from the, yeah. the protocol translations in the background, which is way too deep and way too too low level for what we're talking about here. But yeah, so Generally we speaking, that was usually the first thing anyone in the web world learned was how to do static. Because if you didn't know HTML, which is what is used to produce the visual elements of a website, <laughs> so <laughs> who cared if you could put blinking on a tag? You know, blinking tag blink. But like, you had to understand what it what you were presenting or how it was going to present. And that spawned 
what I basically call the multi-hydra beast that we live on today. I think the first um, the first type of includes were SSIs, weren't they? Shared server includes or something. And they were just a tag you could put in a HTML document. And it essentially, the server rendered the, the content from that and then served it back to you. But you had to have a very specific um, ASAPI it was, I think it might have been IIS actually that did this. There was an ASAPI header that you needed to actually have on the server or a DLL that, that ran and did all of that for you. Um, so yeah, so that's the main the main difference there is that we've got a, a program that is essentially taking templates, taking the content for the website, taking templates for the layouts and the headers and the footers and the logos, mushing them all together like a dynamic site would on the fly or a dynamic server would on the fly and then serving the static well essentially creating the static pages and serving them to the clients now the benefits of those are wide and varied why don't we i suppose go into that a little bit what the benefits of a static site generator versus the full stack the full fat framework is Oh, I can tell you a couple of them right off the bat because this is one of the reasons or one of the reasons a client has come to me. They have a static site. And one of the things they love about this static site uh, is the fact that it is exceptionally fast. There is not a lot of extraneous information being pushed around. They're not waiting for a database, you know, call or return. They're not waiting for input from a user. It is, I have requested page. Page has X content. X content is found here. Go. And once the page is loaded, it's done. So speed is definitely one of the reasons why static sites can be used. In fact, this is why some sites um, actually, or some caching uh, applications actually will create static pages so that you're not constantly polling the server. And that's what actually speeds up sites. So they sort of use that methodology of creating a static page based on dynamic content that was generated the first time the the page was called or a, a certain bit of information was called or polled for. Hmm. So speed right off the bat is one of the biggest advantages. One of the worst disadvantages, keeping that stuff up to date. There is no, I, uh, bless, <laughs> bless the people out there. I have, uh, this is like a decade ago. I, I worked with an individual who wanted a static site and they wanted a blog on their static site which meant that every time that they wanted to add a new blog, we had to go in, hand change links to add that new blog. We had to go in and upload the blog page itself. And this is why I said I'm having Dreamweaver, like nightmare flashbacks, um, because in their eyes, it was Dreamweaver or it wasn't anything. Mm -hmm. And the way that the Dreamweaver worked at the time is when you developed the, the pages inside of Dreamweaver, you then pressed a button and you had to wait for it to FTP up, which back in that time, we didn't have the best internet speeds to begin with. But yeah, so big disadvantage is actually keeping or adding content because you can leave a site the same, but that's not really going to be the best thing in the world because standards change. I mean, HTML has changed over the years. There are certain things that have been depreciated, et cetera. So bonus speed. Bad thing if you need to keep it update with content. So, Jamie, what do you think is the, apart from speed, maybe this, because I think we all, again, I might be putting words into your mouth here, but I think we all agree speed is probably the, the number one reason to use a static site generator over a dynamic uh, full fat framework. Um, speed of serving the website specifically. What would you say is maybe the second most important or most 
yeah, most important benefit of, of a static site generator? Um, so for me, it's uh, the security aspects, right? Okay. So let's say you have a WordPress website. So WordPress is an application you can install on your web server and it acts as kind of like a you can use it as a blog you can use it to as an online shop that kind of thing but there's always going to be this you can go to your wordpress site forward slash wp hyphen admin and you get a nice little login page and you can start trying to figure out what the username and password is mm -hmm. with a static site you don't have that so the, the the login page takes you through to that sort of server side stuff where you can add pages delete pages you can lock the website down. You can install a Bitcoin miner. You can put scripts on it so it takes down people's webs, uh, people's web browsers when they log in. Ask me how I know these things. I ended up getting, you know, one of my my uh, low maintenance websites was under attack by this. <laughs> it's worth noting as well that the things that you've mentioned there, they're all we can all we can put mitigations in place for more advanced yes, websites. We but can. generally, what we're trying to talk about here is like the. The smaller websites, like for example, my uh, my business website is currently written in Angular because I wanted to learn Angular, and this is one of my major benefits of a full fat framework over a static site generator is that I get to learn a new framework when I deploy it. Yeah. But that isn't a, that isn't a, a good enough benefit for me as a for to make a commercial decision on static versus dynamic. Um, but the website itself is very slow. It's not SEO optimized. It's, it's, I mean, that's another Angular great and benefit. SEO, they have issues at times. I mean, in fact, the DNI website is Angular, but that is yeah. fully SEO optimized because we have, um, we have the server generating static web, web, <laughs> web pages and serving them. And then yeah. it does a really smart transition into the dynamic content, which is Angular Universal, it's called. But that that's not for the users to care about. The users just want speed. They want it to be served to them immediately. And I, I think it is worth noting, though, that anytime you allow input into a site to allow any form of dynamic anything, whether you're allowing logins or allowing someone just to search something or what have you, the moment you allow interactivity that to me is when you're no longer dealing with a static site. And that is something that can be produced in a full frat framework or something in a CMS or a content management system like Joomla, Drupal, WordPress, Magento, uh, uh, Concrete 5. Like there are so many of them out there. It's absolutely insane. Point being though, I don't think it's just it like if you use Angular or full stack, you know, you can protect yourself from these horrible things. No, of course no. not. No. Like I want to just make certain that is clear because there are some people who will hear our statements and go, well, I can't touch WordPress. I can't touch Drupal. Like, and yet I can tell you some government sites that are built in. Oh, yeah. You know, the, Joomla, the thing is, every. Like, it's insane. Everything, every single framework in the world is is only as secure as you make it as a developer. Yes. You can make a static website insecure. It depends on oh, how it's been wow. served and what server you're, you're deploying with it. Um, if you have an IP it address, it's not that difficult. This the is the point. So, address, look up Shodan. Have fun. Hire people who know what they're doing, basically, I think is the moral of the story behind yes. this. Yes. Um, Use firewalls, people. So, okay. So we've talked about uh, static site generators. Speed of serving is the most, uh, most important thing. Security. I would agree with that largely. I think mm. by default, they are more secure. Um, I don't necessarily agree that you can make a, you, it. Okay, by default, I think if you deploy a full fat framework, 
and you haven't got mitigations in place such as firewalls and, and uh, password or uh, validation rules put in place on the server side specifically not necessarily on the client side um, and you know all these other things you, uh, you you need an SSL certificate in place for to stop man in the middle attacks and that kind of thing but generally in the world that I live in and I work in things have to be secure we cannot we cannot just deploy your full fat framework and hope hope for the best you know we work with other people who are experts in different areas to you know, That's the other benefit of site them. generators and things like that is the fact that you have a low overhead in the development time and stuff like that. Because if, if for example, if I needed to, and we had this interestingly happen, Chris is working on a guinea pig website because he is awesome and guinea pigs are amazing. And for me, if he told me exactly what he needed, I could spin up and secure a WordPress site in about eight hours with all the content designed and everything ready to go right off the bat. And if he wants to design it in .NET, Angular, you know, things like that, how long would it take you, Chris? Well, it's taken me so far. <laughs> uh, I'm actually using ASP.NET Core MVC because I haven't used it yet commercially i've been okay, i've so been you're using it to learn a framework let's just yeah, say you're i don't really want to learn you know. the framework i've got to be honest because i've used previous mvc versions and I'm, I'm only doing it because i need to serve um i can't use so um right i don't want to bother with all of the seo front end stuff and i haven't considered a static site generator for it and i should and this is kind of why i'm asking all these questions i know about them i've played around with them but i need to use them more I need to rewrite my company website and I need to rewrite the guinea pig website and I need to rewrite probably DNI would probably be better served as a static site. The, the point is, is that I, by default, as, as the developer I am, go straight to full fat frameworks where I've got full control over a robust framework where I can do everything and anything I need to do and I'm not constrained yeah. by anything. That's the thing. It, it When it comes down to... Um experience, etc. If I tried to sit down and do something in Angular, I only have a medium amount of experience in, ang in anger. I have such anger for anger. No. <laughs> I only have a medium amount of experience for it. So for me to try to say, spin up a guinea pig website in Angular, it might take me a month month and a half. And even then I would be constantly second guessing myself because I don't know the right way to do security frameworks for it. Like I don't have all of those notches in my belt mm -hmm. whereas if i were to do it in something that i have quite a bit of experience in from just what i do it's like yeah i've got this tick this off the list tick this off the list i know what is required so you know if if someone is trying to figure out does my site need to be you know a static one or does it need to be a, a full stack or should i use some kind of hybrid in between because you can do things like headless wordpress mm -hmm. and you know i know some people have looked at that with drupal and some other things but point being you can do all I, of I these hope. crazy things to make those decisions you have to have an awareness of them and I mean, I get why you want to jump into having complete and full control. Yet if I turned around and I said, in when I start dealing in the WordPress world, because that's where a lot of my experience is right now, because a lot of my clients want so simple, so quick, and they can't afford someone building them a full stack kind of framework for their simple website to showcase the fact that they've got a, you know, I don't know, a guitar shop or something like that. It makes sense. Mm. It makes sense. And eh, it's it's one of those things where I think 
we we live in a world where we have choice. I think one of the most terrifying things, if you are a small business and you're like, hey, I need a, a website, let's say you're a restaurant and you want to allow people to book online and you want to allow people to um, uh, place orders online and you want to be able to handle delivery and all the things that go with it. When you start getting into things like that, that can be very easily done with, I hate, the bane of my existence are places like Squarespace and Wix because they put so much extraneous code in there. But you can do something like that in full stack and it'd be really cool, some kind of full fat framework. Or you can do something like that in WordPress with some configuration modification. It's, if you feel you have full control over it, great. If you don't, then it doesn't really make a difference. But, but also, I, it's worth I, noting that I didn't actually answer the question. Uh, I, you asked me how long it took me, and it has taken me, not because I'm learning the framework, because I know enough about it to pick it up quickly. It's because I have to do all of these little things, put all these mitigations in place. I have to build everything from scratch, every single line of HTML and CSS. And I want to do a, a SAS to CSS transpilation. I want to do a, I want to write things in TypeScript so then it compiles. These are going to be so well looked That's after. That's the thing. And I don't need any of that because I don't have a cart on there. I don't have any dynamic content. It's essentially just pages that have been served. And, and all I'm doing occasionally is I'm writing a hard-coded array or a JSON file in the back end that serves some data to the website that I could easily just create in a, a, an include or I don't even need to be an include. It could just be a bit of data in a static site generator script or, or template that will just generate a site for me. I don't need any of that. Out of curiosity, do you feel like it's potential that the solution that you have come up for your guinea pig website may actually be uh, pushing the scope of what is required for the poor guinea pigs? Just curious. Absolutely, mm. I I fully admit that. But that <laughs> this is the question. This is the question I'm asking: mm. is at what point? And this isn't just for me. At what point do we do we make the distinction between? At what point do we make the decision that we want to go full full stack frameworks? When do we need it? I'm going to let Jamie answer, and then I'm going to give you my answer. Because I have, for me, what is the perfect answer. <laughs> but then again, you know, I'm me. I'm not Chris. I'm not perfect. So we just don't know for certain. But yes. Go on then, Jamie. What, what's your, what's, what, what, you use both. So what, what, at what point do you make that decision and go, this needs to be a, a .NET Core website? So what I so I'll go through my little process that I that I do with uh, any clients or whatever. Um, I'll start with just a piece of um, hand rolled HTML that is essentially just I'll I use an app called Bootstrap Studio. I use that as a paid for app. You go oh cool, get this template, put this button, and do that, do that, boom, and you get a HTML page out of it. I'll then show that to the client and say, what do you think to this? Is this kind of vaguely what you want? So I'll start with that as like a brochureware. So if it's brochureware and it only has five or six pages, you can you can do it manually. It gets a bit difficult m managing all of the links. You drop into that sort of Dreamweaver effect that Josie was mentioning earlier on. <laughs> but at that point, I then go, right, okay, can I get away with this as a static site uh, in a static site generator? Maybe Hugo, Jekyll, things like that. Is there uh, is there a template that I can? Because I usually do. Is there a template I could download? <laughs> Just quickly throw together some Markdown files, put it through a, a generator, and out pops the website that they want. And then I'll start looking into: Do they want any kind of interactivity? Do they need to talk to a server? 
okay, can I get away with using something called the Jamstack, which is JavaScript API markup? And I'll maybe spin up a tiny little server somewhere and just have an API endpoint that it responds with. This could be Node.NET Core, um, anything, you know, and mm -hmm. just sort of ping that to see if that's what they want. And then, because even if I do end up going full fat framework, I've already done most of the groundwork. I've built the UI. I've built the API. So you yeah. you peel back the layers in order to make the decisions based on the functional needs yeah. of is what it, is required. Am I safe in saying then? Because I don't. We don't know each other, Jamie. We've talked a little bit previous to this podcast. Um, we are from similar worlds, but it sounds like you are from the website world. You do more. I mean, again, tell me if I'm wrong here. You do more website work than you do web application work. So I, uh, only recently, only in the last year or so, I've done more website work. Um, I have, uh, I've got a, a background, I guess, in web application and games development. Okay. Um, started down the process of games development, realized there's way too much work involved and I'm super lazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is, you pick the framework that lets you be the laziest you can possibly be and still get the job done to the highest quality and standard. That's the opposite of me. Yeah, that is exactly. totally the opposite of me. I, I pick the thing that, that I can get the most control over and I can do everything exactly like I want it to be done and can make everything compilable to a tiny amount of, of actual code. But you know and i can i can i can do everything the way i need it to be done but it takes me ages to do things now you see i don't see anything wrong with that because yeah you get all of the control you get to make it the smallest the fastest the tightest but then a there's loads of software libraries out there for a reason well no i do <laughs> use libraries don't get me wrong i just okay. mean in terms of rolling the frameworks the, yeah the... as a game developer he's not building the engine he's making use of you know tools that are already in existence not just the games i'm in in terms of i'm an enterprise software oh, I, know, I know i don't I, just I was, I was doing analogies chris <laughs> yeah. i was just saying this is what you do but then, yeah the the other thing that i look at is um if you haven't read it totally go read the phoenix project um, uh, and it's all about uh, the practical applications of things like the DevOps stuff uh, based on uh, some research that was done in the 80s by a guy, Elliot Goal. I can never get his name correct. But if you look for a book called The Goal, it's written by him. And essentially, this is the application of stuff that became agile and DevOps, things like the, the Toyota manufacturing um, plan and things like that, where essentially... The idea is, and I always butcher this quote, but essentially, until the product is in the hands of the consumer, in the hands of the customer, in the hands of your client, it's not making any money for anyone. Well, mm. it's making money for you, but it's not making money for them. And they want to make money as fast as possible. So it kind of goes into the, it leans into the idea of um, move fast and break things, get something to them really quickly so that they can play with it. Because, and I've always said this, the customer doesn't know what they want until you no. give them what you don't want, what they don't want. No. no? Oh, I, I have a prototype basically on the thing right now with a particular client. I'm having that argument with them um, because they're like, I want this. I'm like, no, you really don't. I want <laughs> it here because it takes me two seconds to do the thing that they're asking because this is, you know, in its prototype stage. To answer your question, Chris, when do I make that decision to jump from something that is, say, a CMS or, or a site generator to something that is full stack, to me, it is always two things. Functionality first, and then price. Right. Because in the end, there is, in my head, and I could be very wrong here, 
but there is in my head a price differential point between using a, a site generator or a CMS or a prefab thing versus having someone develop something for you because it is really easy for the layman to just go, I'm going to spin up a Drupal site and just pay one hosting fee and be okay and it's all taken care of and they don't have to worry about it versus someone going, well, here's the full stack thing for you. Like there's, in my brain, the price is like Well, this. that's, that's going to cost you a couple, and probably. For those yeah. of you who can't see me, I'm spreading my hands really far away. Like, <laughs> it seems like there's, in my, at least in my brain, a big difference in the price. Oh, yeah. I mean, a, a static site might cost a grand. A, a full, fat stack you framework can, might cost you, you 40 grand. You find a know? static site to be generated for you for like five quid a month if you want to go with a builder of some type that just does the hosting and everything for you. Or you can find one that is just prefab done and just knock that out and spin it up and pay like well, fifty. There is a distinct. Like, we've got, we've got to make a distinction here between a static site generator and a content management uh, s system that generates static pages. It, there is a distinct difference here. A static site generator is some kind of command line tool or something like that that we would use as a developer to generate pages that we then upload to whatever server we need to. Whereas a content management system, as you said, like WordPress, can be can be hosted by them in their cloud or in whatever. Dreamweaver is a static site generator. Dreamweaver is an IDE that you used to. Well, it was when I used used to use Dreamweaver it MX. Still allowed you to create static pages and then upload them. Yeah, but that's an that's an IDE. You're not generating them. You're creating them, aren't you? Am I, am I missing something here? Has Dreamweaver changed a lot? Is it still around? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things that makes me cry when I think of oh, it. Right. No, there's actually a couple of, um, interestingly enough, startup companies are really big in getting into the quick push out website things. Mm -hmm. And they do create static web pages. Um, but they allow you to come in with their pretty ID on the web, which is actually just a web app. And you can drag what you want the header to look like, change the colors, maybe put a background image. Ooh, it's shiny. And then you press a button and it publishes the static page for you. So they're not just. So that's a content management system to an extent, though. It's just a slightly no, different way of looking at it. No. It is not a, a content management system is a system or a framework that allows you to have a bunch of different types of content and then you manage how it's displayed and how it interacts with everybody and how people can interact with it. A static generator, you design what you want it to look like, you press a button and it's done. There is no more to it. It is just done. <laughs> That's it. Okay. I think that must be a hybrid um that in my in my understanding at least a static site generator is always we give it template files of some description that has the content in it we don't bother with the html or the javascript or anything like that we just give it content and yeah. then the generator takes that content and then uses a, a template of some description to generate the html um, i would say in my personal opinion static sites don't use databases yeah that's that's use static content yeah they use static content and there are a bunch of web apps out there that will do that for you and you just say um i want the header to look like this the footer to look like this i want the about page to be here and it links to this and i want this to link to my my linkedin portfolio and i want this 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 and you get it all done and you press a button and it pushes it 
to wherever the heck it is you've told that you want it to be, whether you want it to just download all the HTML files and FTP or SFTP them where you want them to go, it's static. There is no interaction with the database. So are you talking about, uh, uh, sorry, I'm sorry I'm laboring this point. I'm just trying to get my head around what this, how this works. Um, so is this a, when, when we talk about Dreamweaver, Dreamweaver is an IDE that we use to generate HTML, uh, not generate, to create HTML and JavaScript. Or it was back in the 2000s, whenever I last used mm -hmm. it. Like Visual Studio. I mean, Visual Studio is much more advanced. We can we can do programming in it as well, um, back-end programming, do compilations, <laughs> etc. But um, Dreamweaver was very classically about creating websites with HTML. Whereas what you're saying is that Dreamweaver now allows you to just put content in. I don't know where Dreamweaver is oh, at right. at all right now. I'm saying there are web applications out there. Okay, right. So there are static site generators available as web, app yeah, web apps. Right. Like, for example, Weblium is one of them. Okay. Um, you know, they you build your site in their pretty ID, which is literally, in my opinion, I think it's probably probably based on Angular. Like they've developed the functionality for you to build a website and have it look the way you want. And the output is static, but the user doesn't need to know that. Right. So All you they need to know is that they are getting templates that they can then upload and it has the content they want it to have. Heck, okay. I think they can host for you now, but my point is that to me is a static. Static no, means you're right. It's just a different static. way of creating the static content. So it's it's a web app that does that for you, and you might be able right. to download a zip file or. And I think that's the way I see Dreamweaver as well. Dreamweaver, yes, it is an IDE, but to me, it again is just something that allows you to design the things that you wanted to do. And when you push a button, you get your HTML pages. Although okay. they did start adding in PHP. Um, and other things in the past, back I mean, back in the day. I used but. to script. Um, I used to use Dreamweaver to script classic ASP as well back in the day. But that was a different. You know, to actually run it, I still needed to run it within a server itself and within IIS. Mm -hmm. But Dreamweaver was just the IDE that I created the code in. You see. So anyway, right. let's let's move on. I'm uh, I'm obviously getting a bit confused as to how the web has moved on in that respect because my world is very very different. My world is very much every job I take on is an enterprise grade like software as a service solution with cloud infrastructure. It's it's very very different. Whereas well, that's this, the thing. The, it's the functionality, right? So my solutions to a simple website are way too complicated, as we've already established. <laughs> Usually, because I just want to go right, I need to learn React. Let's pick that up. But that. That isn't what I'm, I'm, what I need to get to is to make it when I'm doing a website that doesn't require all of this, the bells and whistles and, and all of the knowledge I've gained over the 20 odd years I've been doing it. I just need to get a website out there that's got maybe a contact form on it. And that's the most complicated thing that it should have. I need and to that do is that quickly. And anyone who doesn't think contact forms are well, complicated, the <laughs> they're missing a lot of things like validation. Mm. And then, well, how are you handling it? Are you handling it via PHP mail? Are you trying to do some kind of connection to an SMTP? Perl script. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so yes, sorry to, uh, to, to get into a lot of detail there. I was trying desperately to understand what, where we were where we were heading with static generators these days. Oh, no, see, I think that's the thing. I mean, trying to define the topic of, you know, the full fat frameworks versus your typical anything else. Like to me, full fat sort of stands on its own precipice and its own pedestal. 
in my opinion, because when I look at the things that are possible in web development, because when I look at web development, I'm not just looking at, you know, Mama's Pizza Shop or Bobby Builder's building website. I'm also looking at Twitter. Twitter is an application inside the web, which I think is absolutely fascinating to me. And when you look at what it is you want from your website, the functionality is going to decide everything. If you just want to display some information and scare the crap out of people, be like Ling's car and do the most horrible <laughs> that has ever been created and make it static. Because I, I, I'm pretty certain that website is so static, it's not even funny. It's, um, it's not static on the eyes, I'll tell you that no, much. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. Um, however, if you're looking at having something that has some kind of functionality or stores data in some way, like your latest blog post or you know um, locations on a map, point and you want to display the map and someone can click it and get directions you're you're looking at sort of a google integration for maps or something like that if you're looking for something that's just that little bit more it makes sense to look at some kind of content management system but then because- I, the way i see that is we've got static site generators that this is the natural progression that you should take in a thought process and static site generators or rather static websites writing your own html to static gen- site generators to cmss to full stack full fat frameworks would we all agree with that that to me is the methodology that things go i mean when i look at when a client comes to me and says i want something my brain starts out with really what is it that they need because they can say i want to have all of the bells and whistles and when they start to realize that this crazy functioning thing that they want to develop actually is going to take more money then they freak out Mm -hmm. and it's like well let's scale back on your scope um Go ahead, Jamie. I was just going to say, and then they realized that what they wanted was a spreadsheet. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> this man speaks my language. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's, it's why I've always said that the client doesn't know what they want until you give them what they don't want. Because they'll come to you with, here's a shopping list of all of the things that we want. And what they actually want is this tiny little thing that's in, in between two lines that just says, we want a spreadsheet that calculates our tax at the end of the month. Mm. <laughs> or my favorite one is we want moving images. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones from a client right now. Oh my gosh, I want moving <laughs> images. Like, you want your images? Are you looking for video, GIFs? Like, and no, the reality is all I wanted was just the ability to slide and show a before and after picture. <laughs> so we're getting we're getting close to the end of our show, but yes, um, I want to ask one more thing before we, we move on, and hopefully we can we can make it fairly quick. Um, so we talk about static websites or static site generators or, or whatever, but can we make any part of our static website dynamic? Can we make it? And, and again, I have a little bit of experience here, but not much. So Jamie, I'll let you take the floor here. Sure. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you can totally make a statically served website have dynamic nature to it when it gets to the client. Because remember, I mean, we, we we talked pretty low level when we when we started about the the client and the server, right? The server is serving as a static stuff, and then the client takes over. Maybe it's Google Chrome, maybe it's uh, Brave, maybe it's Firefox, whatever it is that you're using to view the website with that can then take over and do some, maybe some JavaScript stuff, or maybe you don't want to do JavaScript. You want to do purely CSS stuff and have it happen on, I believe CSS happens on the GPU, which makes it even faster. Um, so you don't burn loads of CPU time. And the way that you can do that, one of the ways that I do it, 
is I use that previously mentioned jam stack idea, JavaScript, APIs, and markup. So I've got the markup served to the client. I also send some JavaScript over that says, once the page is loaded, come back and I'll give you maybe some API stuff to fill in. So, oh, sorry about that. I've got a light that just flashed. Sorry <laughs> about that. Um, so maybe, you know, instead of say with a node full stack or a .NET Core full stack, you may have a page of users on an admin panel. You might want that to be generated on the server and sent out using some kind of uh, templating language, like, uh, like a Razor for mm. .NET, for instance. So that will generate all of the HTML and send it through, almost like a static page, but it's using the database to look up the users. Well, in Jamstack, you can send the page, sans the table, mm -hmm. and then send a request back to the API that says, can I have the first 10 users, please? So and I'll just play them in a page. You've just described a single page application there. Essentially, um, yeah. have you worked with any single-page application frameworks like Angular, React? Yeah, I've got a little experience with Angular, okay. and the entirety of my experience with Angular was trying to figure out how to get content security policy to apply to an Angular website because that's not possible. Right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, oh, I mean wow. that that is exactly how single-page applications work. However, um, the way that they've been designed is that they generate. They serve JavaScript. The JavaScript generates the DOM, which is the uh, the in-memory uh, document object model that the browser uses to, gen to to show the website. So it generates what what a user may refer to as HTML. There, it's not actually HTML that's served from the server. It's actually generated by the JavaScript. They the user then interacts with that, and as they interact with it, the server or the JavaScript rather sends requests back to the server and gets data and fills in the blanks. So Instead of that, what you're saying is we serve static web static web pages, serve the JavaScript beside them, and then send do do the sending the requests and then fill in the blanks. As again, use JavaScript to actually um, populate the DOM um, in that instance. So it's very very similar. Your Jamstack is very very similar to modern SOA frameworks. That is unfortunately Im not impossible, especially not with all of the the SOA frameworks. Um, but it's very difficult to optimize for en search engines because the JavaScript's doing all the rendering. So we we have a problem. I mean, you're not going to want to SEO optimize a user list, but you know, for any yes, reason yes. whatsoever. But. That's I think one of the things that I find understandably fascinating about the changes we've seen in the world of web. Browsers used to pretty much be wholly responsible for just showcasing the HTML file or text file. Like you could open all kinds of things in your browsers. Um, but its entire purpose was to showcase the HTML. But we've gotten to a point, and we've had a guest on whose website was storing information about time and clicks and adding things to the page dynamically over time while the page was open hmm. by simply storing that inside of the browser yep. and using some math to make things happen. Like we are at a point now where browsers and their own right are compilers in some really strange thing. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say compilers. They're like CPUs. They like perform outputs or in inputs and take output. They, I mean, that's that's client side. That's been but around that's since like, DHTML, which was kind of yes. JavaScript's initial it, or JScript. We didn't have that when we when I first started out. We didn't have that kind of functionality. No. But now we're at that point where that kind of stuff is. We actually have now. We're at a point where we've got um, in memory databases. We've got persistence on the browsers as well. We've got local oh things gosh, called yes. 
local storage, session storage. Um, we've got cookies, which we all know about, but cookies have been around for a long time, but they're very, you can't store complicated information in cookies. That's what you need local storage and session storage for. Um, we've got databases, which I don't know too much about. We've also got, this is the thing I haven't even touched on yet, web workers. And web workers are essentially agents that run in the browser that run background processes that can essentially, you know, like a, a process on your computer or like a, a Linux daemon or a, a Windows service. It's that kind of thing in the context of the browser. And it's that, that all runs. And that's exactly what the web needs these days. But this is why I'm I'm kind of teetering. The full stack frameworks, the, the full stack front end frameworks specifically allow us to completely control and completely manipulate them and and have but the, the, with them come a whole host of security problems and privacy problems um i've just i mean in the dni stream discord i've been discussing maybe over the last few weeks how to store jwt refresh tokens which is way out of scope for this particular episode but <laughs> how to store them securely in the browser how to serve them from the server side because i've been i've been implementing uh, something very specific very bespoke rather for a particular client and it's it's interesting as to when i started doing work on it the rsc was on version 0.2 when i finished doing work on it a few weeks later the rsc was on 0.4 it had been released twice in the time that i was working on it and there was new recommendations on how to do this specific piece of work that i was working on that is it's the moving other side of going so into quick. the full stack frameworks it is the fact that things change so much. Mm -hmm. I, I would love for us to continue into this, but I'm actually going to call a halt to this. Jamie, you're coming back. You have absolutely no say okay. in this yeah, at all. Fine. We, we haven't even it. scratched the surface of this topic. We might just have to make a whole version thing just called version Jamie is back. <laughs> the stuff we really I... wanted to cover in this show. But before we go, quick RTFM, your chance to vent your frustrations, pop your stack or pop off the stack, depending upon whether you actually do pops and stacks and pushes and all the yeah, other things. I got, I I got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I kept going. <laughs> oh, silly things. But do you have any RTFMs, Chris? Um, my only RTFM this week is I, I've... I'm on, on a recruitment, not recruitment, I'm on a looking for work drive again at the moment. I've got a few things in the pipeline and stuff, but it means that I usually have to open LinkedIn and, and look at LinkedIn and, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I had holy water, I would like, I've got so many, I mean, it's, it's, I always get a lead from LinkedIn though. That's the thing. There's always, I post something and somebody will ring me or somebody will send me a message and it will be usually irrelevant lead. I mean, a lot of rubbish as well, but usually I'll get something from it. But it is just so disheartening looking through my, my feed on LinkedIn. It is so full of inspirational bullshit. I can't, I can't <laughs> it's Facebook, right? It, it's Well, no, it's not. That's the thing is, oh, every second post is people complaining about it. it shouldn't be Facebook. Keep this to Facebook. And uh, shut up. Just deal with it. It's it's a social network. I don't care if it's a professional social network. It is what it is, you know? People are going to be people. It doesn't matter. But just Come stop to posting crap. I've got somebody that I followed a while ago, because I found one of his posts funny, who says that he is a, a de-inspirational speaker. 
and he and, and and he takes the piss out of motivational speakers basically and he and that's his thing and everything he posts is well this is what this person did and and this is how i've de kind of debunked it and this is like me taking the piss out of him and it's just like just mate you're doing the same thing but you're pointing you're pointing out everyone else's faults and being the same person as they are just anyway there's just that's not just him everybody on linkedin you know and Excellent. then you, and then you get oh no i, I was just going to say linkedin and leave it at that but then i just went off on one i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> we kind of knew that was going to happen. I'll make it really easy and I'll jump on the bandwagon as well. I I went on LinkedIn recently to uh, fix a thing and I got a recruiter messaging me going, you know, hey, so I saw that you're on documentation not included. Um, at the time, I, I misread their message. I thought they were saying that they were a full stack developer and I was going to be like, hey, do you want to come on to the show? And they're like, no, no, you misunderstand. I'm a recruiter. And I'm like, yeah, you, uh, no, because we've had the recruiter episode. You know, I, I, I have this this thing. I, I'm still not past it, although our guest did help get over some of the hurdles, although this guy pushed that hurdle right back again. <laughs> um, but the, the person, after finding out that, you know, I run my own company, I'm taking care of my own business kind of a thing. They're like, you know, is it a one girl show? And I'm just like. No, I'm a woman. Are you a one-boy recruiter? <laughs> you know? It's like, get with the times. I understand we're in the IT world, and I understand that it is quote-unquote male-dominated in any STEM or stream, if you also add arts to that particular acronym. You know, I get that. However, you're not from Yorkshire. If you were, I'd let you get away with calling me Dove, Pet, or Love, because that is the Yorkshire thing. But you're not from Yorkshire. One girl band? It makes it sound so, like... Derogatory. That recruiter just, like, so pissed me off. I was just like, go away. I was really unhappy about that. And it still sits raw with me. So I will jump in your anti-LinkedIn bandwagon with recruiters <laughs> suck on LinkedIn. Even though, you know, I know not all of them do. <laughs> so, Jamie, do you have an RTFM that's not LinkedIn? <laughs> <laughs> You see, you mentioning all of these recruitery LinkedIn stories has given me, I don't want to say PTSD, but it's <laughs> kind of flashback from um, three or four, maybe four, six years ago, I was working somewhere and um, I kept getting a call from the receptionist person. They were like, Jamie, we've got this this person on the phone and they, they said that they've got a package for you that's from Microsoft and it needs to get through you. But every time they call, they're from a different delivery company it's just really freaking me out so i said okay just put them through so this person had called up and said i'm from fedex i've got a package from jamie I'm from um ups yeah. you know for the royal mail and from whoever right they finally get through before i get i get the handset to maybe just to my like maybe two or three inches from my face and i could already hear the recruiter on the other end that had lied to get through to my direct dial number saying hey do you want to come and work for and i just put the phone straight back down that's that is the worst it ever got to got for me it's from somebody like intentionally lying about why they want to talk to me to try and get me to jump ship i mean i wouldn't mind if they'd have gone through the normal channels because i was lucky to leave anyway but they just just that 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 deception yeah that, uh, and this is the bad recruiters we've we, we actually had a show called the, yeah. called the bad and the ugly and mm -hmm. i have worked with some wonderful had, recruiters he's really cool like if i was doing things i'd have no problems working with him there, there are a lot of them the problem is is it's the same as drivers in the world yeah. there are lots of good drivers but it's the bad ones that stick in your mind 
That's mm. the problem, and it's the same with the agents. And unfortunately, there are probably more bad agents than good agents, in my experience, only because they, they it's a transient um, profession. Profession. People, yeah. not all of them. There are people like Cameron, who we had on the show, who who have been in the industry for many, many years. They, they, when you talk to them, you know that they know what they're talking about. Yes, they've got an agenda. Yes, they've got to make and I'll money. I'll tell you point blank, though. Yeah. I, just be bloody honest with me. Don't, I'm right there with you, Jamie. Don't. Treat me like I'm I'm literally just popped out of the womb, you know? A lot of them are, are just reel off scripts and... Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Back off. Oh, yes, back that off. was our RTFM. <laughs> Big deep breath, Wusa. And back in the room. So we are at the end of our show. Thank you to everyone for joining us on Twitch chat. Hi, Salako. Um, And to everyone who is listening in the future on the podcast, hopefully we'll get a chance to have you live in our chat so that you can fill us with thoughts words and other things finally jamie you star you have no choice you have to come back because we've only only scratched the surface of all of the things that we want to talk about i hope you've had fun oh definitely yes it's been loads of fun i hope we've, and... we've given you a chance to talk because yeah. we've just well, She's jumped well, in quite a bit. <laughs> what we can do is next time I'll just start talking for an hour and then you guys can sort of interrupt me, can't you? That, that's I'll do right. Oh, I'll tell you what, we'll just sit back and let, we'll let you do everything. It'll be that's great. fine. That's fine. So, we can't do that, yeah. Josie. Let's be honest. No. Come on. No, you're going to say something or you're going to say something and I'm going to have to have my say and it's it or have a question because I want to know something. Because this 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 whole topic fascinates me because I want to do all of the things in this particular topic, but it's like there are, there are blockers. There are a lot of things that prevent all of the things. Point being, though, Jamie, you're awesome. Pimp. Okay, uh, so, right, um, stuff that I do. Uh, okay, so if you're interested in .NET Core, I do a, uh, there's a, a bi-weekly, no, that's not right, fortnightly uh, podcast called the .NET Core Podcast. You can get to it by just just typing in .NET Core.show. That .show is a TLD, so that's cool. Um, so, yeah, I do that. Uh, interview lots of people from the .NET Core space. So things like Entity Framework and Singular, there's lots of buzzwords I'm throwing out there that might not make much sense to people who don't know much about .NET or .NET Core. Uh, that's uh, fortnightly. Um, I also do a podcast with my brother all about video games, which sounds a little bit like uh, the podcast that uh, Christopher puts out, where it's basically, what have you been playing recently? We do things like, uh, if you were trapped on a desert island, you can play online, but you can't ask for help. Which three games would you take with you? Um, which is the best and which is the worst controller and why. Um, the Cupboard of Shame, which is a new feature we're doing, where essentially you pick a game that you bought at some point in the past and you are really ashamed of it. So an example is my brother decided that maybe Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball is not the best game ever and maybe a little <laughs> bit sexist. So that went into the Cupboard of Shame. You know, I actually have a, a game like that, although I still love it and it's kind of a guilty pleasure and it's not something I'll ever be able to play because I don't have the system for it. Although there was a landfill found of it. Oh, the E.T. Ooh. E.T. game. That and the the Ghostbusters one that was on the Chewy, the Apple Chewy, I believe it was. I, I can't remember which, which computer system it was on because I was playing with G.I. Joe and Barbies at the time. Hmm. I was really young. Um, I just, my favorite thing was, you know, just 
you had Slimer basically floating across the screen, a really horrible Slimer, and you had this box, and you were supposed to press the button at the right time to capture the flying ghost, and that was amazing. It was basically the same thing as freaking E.T. Guilty pleasure. Absolute <laughs> guilty pleasure. But yeah, keep pimping. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, so that's Waffling Tailors, waffling-tailors.rocks, because we rock, apparently. <laughs> um, my brother picked out the URL for that one. He got really excited when he found out that Rocks was a TLD. He was like, yes, I need to get this website. And then he went, Jamie, buy the website. So, you know, um, but that's, I think that's essentially it. Uh, there's a newsletter that goes with the podcast, and there's YouTube stuff that we do that we put out there. But that's essentially just the podcast. Without any visuals on YouTube, it's really quite boring. But some people like to listen on YouTube, so yeah, it does I give happen. them the option. Mm. I, I do it while I'm actually working. There, there are podcasts that I'll put up because I'll occasionally want to alt tab and see what they look like, and then go right back to whatever it is I'm doing while listening. It is a thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so have you? Have you? Have is that everything then? Is that everything pimped, Jamie? Um, I guess just one last thing. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so as part of the Waffling Tailors, we're going to London in like two weeks, the EGX, so the European Gamer Expo. So if there's people who are listening, you now know what I look like. If you're going to be there, just come over and say hi. And I might have some swag or a sticker or something you, you can have because nope. I'm like that. I give free things out to people if they want them. You know? he, he needs to meet Swagzilla. He's, uh, it's nice to have someone who... Um... <laughs> who, pimp, who has something to pimp as well. A lot of our guests come on and they go, oh, I don't want to say anything. Well, you, know, you should so, also do, you should so also totally just pimp yourself as a developer because I mean, you yeah. are a freelance contractor. Yeah, I mean, I'm that awesome, right? So uh, the company that... <laughs> Chris, you have competition. I don't know what to do. Mind blown. So yeah, I mean, the company that I run is called RJJ Software. It's named after the, the children that I have. Um, which is kind of nice. Uh, that's rjjsoftware.co.uk. Um, I'd make a big deal about, hey, it's a web application stuff and security and stuff and Docker and DevOps and stuff. But yeah, I could do all of that stuff, uh, DevOpsy.net stuff. So yeah, really vague, I know. So oh, We're all vague in the in the contracted industry. We've all done a bit of everything. Lots of fingers yeah, exactly. and lots of pies. Anyway, so it is. It is. Thank you very much, Jamie. Um, it's now time for us to do our quick pimpage. Um, you can visit our website, www.dnistream.live, for links to everything, all of our discovery platforms. Um, and you can use the contact form on there to give us uh, any suggestions for the show. If you want to be a guest on the show or you've got any comments about things that have gone on, you can, again, we're still waiting for somebody to tell me and Josie to shut up and let our guests talk. Uh, we're fully aware of it. I'm not sure we'll ever listen. But um, uh, yes, yeah, so yeah, if you want to be a guest on the show, please do get in touch. Yeah, that's a thing. Other than that, we hope to see you all next week, 7 p.m. UK time, here live at twitch.tv slash DNI stream. If not, hopefully catch us on one of the myriad, or the myriad, the myriad yes, the myriad, just, we're on a lot of podcast platforms. <laughs> I said that. I said that. Yes, like I said, you can catch us there. So all that's left is for all of us to say goodbye with my two absolutely perfect gentlemen here. Bye. 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 <laughs>